This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. Good to have you along today. Hope you're doing well. Hope that you and yours are all fine and dandy. (laughs) And, hang on a second here. Well, of course that's not going to work. You know... I don't know what there is, but there is. there are apparently gremlins that live in my studio that just don't want me to succeed here. So, let's just shut that down. Here we go. We'll click that. Turn that off. You're out of here. You're gone. See ya. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Thank you. Wow. So, here just as a brief update, okay? I And I apologize for for getting into tech nerdiness at the top of the show again, but my MacBook Pro uh, just assumed room temperature on me. I mean, literally just in the moments before we started going. Uh, I restarted. It It just kicked off again. So there's definitely something. There's something wrong. I think there's something, eh, 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 there's something mechanically or something wrong with equipment. And uh, it just... I, I I have everything all lined up on the MacBook Pro. I have it connect, connected to an external display that's large that I can move things around and have multiple things open at the same time and glance from one thing to another. And and the way it all works is uh, it all depends on the MacBook Pro. The MacBook Pro has been a workhorse for all this time, and now it is it is being a pain, a royal pain. And uh, I don't seem to be able to do anything about it. So it is now closed it is out of service and i'm using my ancient um how old is this thing this thing is the 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 imac the big 27 inch imac desktop that sits on the the middle of the desk that i've just been using as a screen is now running and pulling up stories and that's about all i can do with it because when i try to run the browser and everything else at the same time it start slowing down on me and tells me, uh, we have a problem here. So we're not going to do that. So we're just going to, uh, let's see, what is that? That's Safari. So let me, let me close that out. We'll quit that. And there we have it. So I won't be able to scan the web while we work as I usually do, but, and I apologize once again, at the top of the show, everything's on a schedule. It's all timed. It all runs at a certain time. And I just dive in. It's it's like a live radio show. That's the way I produce it. So that way, I started a set time. I ended a set time instead of doing something, you know, um, instead of doing something, recording something, going back and editing out all the mistakes. I just don't do that unless there's something major, some major thing goes bumping along and and just brings everything to a screeching halt. And I don't I don't edit. It's just what you get, which is embarrassing sometimes, like right now, but. It's what you get. And, um, which is, it's kind of sad because I had everything set up. I was going to go, I was going to go live again on either Facebook or, or, uh, YouTube. Uh, I've been working on, excuse me, on the other machine, the monster (laughs) over there. Um, the big Hackintosh, I was going to go, um, it's running, it's running faster than an iMac pro. I was using it. I've got a, uh, my uh, studio package, my video studio package up and running on that. I was going to run it on a window, in a window on a little screen, and and yeah, it's just, that's not happening. So, here we are. 
<laughs> it's just me and you and um, one web browser open to stories that we'll be dealing with today. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll make do. Okay. How's that? Hopefully you're good. Hopefully everybody you know as well and uh, that uh, life is in your neighborhood is sane because you know the truth. And the truth, you know, Jesus did say this. He said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And by that, he was telling his disciples, if you continue in my word, if you, if you follow my instruction, if you live it, you'll know the truth. And that truth will make you free. And in that context, he was talking about freedom from the blindness that everyone in the world walks in who doesn't know God. He was talking about having enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment, and following his word brings that. Following his, his example brings that. You learn the truth, and that truth makes you free from the bondage and the blindness that comes with the old way, human nature, as the, as the Bible calls it, sin. And that is the nature of mankind stumbling in the dark and making things up as it goes and pretending that everything is just fine. Yes, as long as we have batteries in the flashlight, we're good. You know, <laughs> and you're making and and you know it's not going to be good because eventually the the batteries are going to run down and everything the darkness is going to creep in and at that point everything is lost. But you just keep putting that off and you don't think about it. Well, if you don't have to depend on the batteries, if you have light, then you're good. Actually, Paul wrote it sort of that way. When was it? Somewhere in the Book of Romans. Anyway, no, it was in Galatians. The um, <laughs> I didn't mean this to start off as a Bible study, but the bottom line is truth. We must know truth. If we don't know truth, then the world around us is a mystery. If we do know truth, then everything is fairly plain. If we do know truth, then we can recognize falsehood when we see it. This is a re recurring theme here recently on the podcast. If you've just joined in, then I've been talking about knowing truth and recognizing it for what it is and becoming intimately familiar with truth. And that shows you falsehood and lies. They become obvious to you. And I, uh, I liken it to the way bank tellers are trained to recognize real money. My wife was a bank teller for several years, and uh, that was one of the things that they do is they teach you how to recognize real money. You recognize every detail of real money. You recognize how it feels in your fingers when you're, when you're counting it. You understand that the paper that they printed on has a certain texture and a certain weight. You, you, you are so familiar with money that you don't, you can even be counting off a stack of bills, looking at somebody and talking with them as you're counting off and abs and, and in the back of your mind, keeping track of what you're counting and you can recognize, whoa, that one I just flipped off over here doesn't feel right. And you can pick it up and look at it and realize that's a counterfeit because the paper's different. It feels different. Doesn't matter what they do to it. You still recognize it because something about it is not right. And on closer examination, you begin to see what is wrong. And the only way you can know that is by knowing what the real money looks like and feels like what what it, what the weight of it is, the paper, the everything about it, you become very familiar. It's like, it's like having been married for several years. You know, your spouse, if somebody tries to impersonate your spouse, 
you'll spot them in a heartbeat. You're that familiar with the truth. And that's the goal is to become familiar with the truth. And in today's society, that's a difficult thing to do because we're being pumped information from every direction that is not the truth or it is partly true. And we are left to figure out what part of it is the truth and what part of it is not. So it's, it's extremely important to to familiarize yourself with truth because truth has certain traits, which you will recognize which will help you spot untruth when it is presented as truth. You'll recognize it if you are familiar with truth. And today in the news media, we're being presented with many things which are definitely not true. And James O'Keefe over at uh, Project Veritas has made it his business to, to sit in the corner, so to speak, and listen and watch and to reveal the untruth and the the fraud that's going on in the news media so that you can see these people are lying to you you can see what they're doing to you you can see that they these purveyors of information don't know the truth themselves they're making it up as they go and they're trying to convince you that their version is the truth when it is not, which is why it's important for you to learn what is true so that you'll recognize what is not true when it's presented by places like CNN. CNN, by the way, has threatened legal action against James O'Keefe. Did that yesterday. I mentioned it yesterday. They, they are, Actually, I mentioned it, uh, this was Tuesday they did I mentioned yesterday that they have threatened legal action for James O'Keefe exposing them. And of course he did so by joining in on one of their group phone phone calls. Actually he did so for a couple of months and listened to what they had to say. And they have threatened him because of uh, because he's released the CNN's daily calls with Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, and announced he had months of recordings and he'd be releasing them. In one of the videos O'Keefe has released so far, and more released yesterday, by the way, Zucker says that the company needs to go after Senator Lindsey Graham and that the company has been too polite with their political coverage. And he wanted to paint President Donald Trump as acting erratically. In the video, Zucker can be heard allegedly saying these things on September 8th. Each of these so-called scandals for Trump, each of these things, we should just once again be careful to say that this is one that is going to undo him with his voters. Now, if you think about that statement, you will recall that this is the beginning of the end for the Trump administration. You remember that? Yeah, you heard that constantly. You heard that from many channels. They all just hopped on the same theme and rode that horse. (laughs) This is the beginning of the end for the Trump administration. October 9th, after Trump was diagnosed with COVID-19, Zucker says, okay, I just want to reemphasize that, you know, I think we cannot normalize what has happened here in the last week with Trump and his behavior. And I go back to what David said, David, uh, David Chalane said, 
that this is a president that knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, is sick, maybe is on the after effects of steroids or not. I don't know. But he's acting erratically and desperately, and we need to we need to not normalize that. You know this is what we've come to expect for the last three and a half years, four years, but it clearly is exacerbated by the time that we're in and the issues that he's dealing with. And I think that we cannot just let it be normalized. He is all over the place and acting erratically, and I think we need to lean into that. Now, having heard that, you probably remember people on CNN and other mainstream news outlets saying they thought that the president was under the effects of the steroids being used in his COVID treatment. That, in fact, there were those who said this disqualified him and that they should pursue removing him from office because he was unfit to serve because of the after effects of his treatments and he was clearly mentally not stable. And this comes down from the head of CNN. Uh, November 17th, he says, frankly, if we've made any mistake, it's been that our banners have been too polite and we need to go well after Lindsey Graham. There's a lot of news out there and Lindsey Graham really deserves it. How about that? So they're singling out an individual, targeting a specific individual, and you probably recognize that they did stories and they talked badly about Lindsey Graham. And of course, he opened himself up for that during the Kavanaugh hearings by stop by stopping his milk toast Mr. Nice Guy um, routine and getting angry with all of the people in the room who were clearly looking for a way to lynch Brett Kavanaugh. And there's more. There's even more. Well, we'll get back into it after the break. But I just wanted you to see. There is truth, and then there is not truth. And what we're getting from CNN and the rest of the mainstream press, by and large, is groping in the dark, searching for ways to discredit the president they didn't want to win in 2016. It's all motivated by that higher calling Barack Obama put out so many years ago to fundamentally transform the United States of America. They're doing their part. And that part is lying to you. More after the break. As we continue with this Thursday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Welcome back. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for... Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. <laughs> it's the Will Mark Have a Bonfire and Burn Old Computers Day. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I know what I'll be doing part of today. The good news is that I know that Santa's bringing me a new computer so, to replace the one that's giving me grief. Somehow I think it knows. I just don't understand how. I just think it knows. Well, it's about time for him. He's really, really busy right now. Why don't I just reboot? Ah! It's just like it knows. Oh. Okay, we were talking about James O'Keefe and uh, and such, and he, he put the video out uh, 
talking about what's happening with Jeff, with Jeff Bezos, C, with, the, with CNN and all of the idiocy, Jeff Zucker, that is, and CNN, and, uh, and the way he's directing his team at CNN to go after the president and other conservatives in politics. And it's, it's an issue of knowing what is true and what is not true and knowing that that those who don't seek after truth seek after explanations and they will embrace any explanation, which is convenient and makes them feel better. And that is what these people at CNN are doing. They, they don't like Donald Trump. They never have liked Donald Trump. They were part as progressives. They're part of the, the crowd that wanted Hillary Clinton to be president because they wanted a continuation of the Barack Obama type of leadership leading from behind they they wanted us they wanted the u.s to be punished on the world scene for being everything it's been for all these years because they have believed the lies of socialism and the left well o'keefe's video came after uh, he tweeted out a live stream of him crashing cnn's meeting the other morning cnn's comm team responded directly to him on twitter they wrote, legal experts say this may be a felony. We've referred it to law enforcement. It's important that we hold accountable to the mainstream media, O'Keefe has said. The media has to be held to account. They're hurting the American people with their lies, their innuendo, their slander, the defamation, the hyperbole. And I think Mr. Zucker is shaking in his boots right now. I think he's very afraid of what might be coming. Donald Trump Jr., the president's oldest son, responded to CNN's communications team directly on Twitter saying it's amazing that CNN had no problem aggressively running with secretly recorded audio tapes of the First Lady nonstop for weeks, but has a serious problem when someone does the exact same thing to them. If it wasn't for double standards, they would have no standards at all. And I think he hit that nail squarely on the head. If it weren't for double standards, they would have no standards at all. Hmm. Moving along, there's a story about the coronavirus, and there's all of this talk right now about this a surge and hospital hospitals being uh, stretched to their capacity and cases, 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 cases. That's what they're talking about is the numbers of cases, and even to the degree that anti-Trump sources are saying this has nothing to do with testing when honestly we have so much more testing now than ever before that it has mostly to do with testing we have more people being tests there are listen even in where i live there are pop-up clinics where you can walk in and get a rapid test in shopping centers around the around the city there are places you can walk into and get a test. There are places you can line up in your car and have a test done while you sit in your car. There are, this is happening all over the place. More and more people are being tested. And we have known for a long time that the more people get tested, the more cases we'll find. So it's not news. It's just not really news. We've known for all this time that we were going to find more cases of COVID-19. Because more of us would be tested. And as more of us are tested, 
more would be discovered to have it. What they're not talking about is the fatality rate, which is, is very, very low and, from everything I've been reading, is falling. So the number of people dying from it is actually going down, not going up. But they talk about the horrors. They talk about the deaths. They, oh, how many people is too many for you? They, they try to shame you because people have died. But they ignore the fact that we have a, an oddly, oddly light season of influenza this year. That's interesting. Why is it we don't have as many cases? Oh, yeah. They're being attributed as COVID. That's why. Uh, the deception, the misdirection is disgusting. It really is. And Governor Christy Noem, it's in South Dakota, has had her fill. She hit back against a CBS report that claims hospitals in the state are strained due to an increase in coronavirus hospitalizations. Now, why would CBS report on this? Because Governor Christy Nome has taken a stand not to follow the hysteria in South Dakota. And because she has done so, much like Florida, her state is being targeted by the press and set up to be humiliated in any way possible, creating the image that the governor of this state and the governor of Florida, both the governors, are idiots for letting their states be open like they are. They're endangering the lives of people. They are responsible for every death. Well, that is why they're attacking Christy Nome and others who have been practicing what's proven to work in other places. Well, she hit back against the CBS report claiming hospitals in the state are strained due to an increase in coronavirus hospitalizations. She tweeted, More misleading reporting from CBS. There are 547 people statewide in the hospitals in South Dakota with COVID. That's less than 20% of those people hospitalized. Nearly 40% of our beds are empty. Our doctors and nurses are doing an outstanding job taking their care of those who need extra care. So, in the state of South Dakota, in their hospitals, which are strained to the max, there are 547 people total across the entire state who are hospitalized with COVID. 547 people. That is less than 20% of the people in the hospital for any and all reasons. 20%, less than 20%. And nearly 40% of the beds in hospitals in South Dakota are empty. And yet CBS is talking about how the hospitals are strained. Her tweet came in response to that CBS tweet of a video news segment showing how coronavirus cases are increasing in states such as South Dakota and Indiana. 
And it said hospitals strained. South Dakota and Indiana have the highest rates of COVID-19 hospitalizations per capita nationwide. Uh, David Begnod spoke with battle-weary healthcare workers on the front lines of the crisis in both states. We start in South Dakota. As the virus rages, so does the debate, a reporter says in the segment, before showing local residents debating over mask wearing and how the virus spreads. The report notes that South Dakota leads the nation in per capita hospitalizations. There have been at least 80,912 cases and 948 deaths in South Dakota since the pandemic first hit the United States last winter. The New York Times reports that the seventh-day average of corona patients in hospitals sits at 555. The governor has been repeatedly denounced by Democratic leaders and the media for refusing to shut South Dakota down amid the pandemic. She stuck by her stance, though. She reiterated, she reiterated ahead of Thanksgiving that the state wouldn't stop or discourage you from thanking God and spending time together during the holiday. She says Thanksgiving's around the corner and across the country, families are planning how to celebrate with their loved ones in the midst of COVID-19. In South Dakota, we won't stop our, or discourage you from thanking God or spending time together this Thanksgiving. Some states across the country are imposing restrictions on Thanksgiving celebrations. Some in the media are even looking ahead and planning to cancel Christmas. I'll continue to encourage each and every one of you to exercise personal responsibility and make smart choices. In other words, Governor Kristi Noem in South Dakota is encouraging her people to be Americans, to govern themselves, to be wise, to seek the truth and act on the truth, not on the panic being spread by the media and the Democrat politicians who are using the coronavirus as a means of controlling us in several ways. One of those ways was in controlling the vote in a presidential election. And we'll get into that when the podcast continues. Welcome back to the second half of uh, today's podcast. It's the Daily Perspective. Good to have you along. Delivering what he called the most important speech of his presidency, President Donald Trump rebuked the rigged election, saying the system was under a coordinated assault and siege. He said... This colossal expansion of mail-in voting opened the floodgates to massive fraud. This was part of his 46-minute address yesterday, recorded in the White House Diplomatic Room. He goes on to say it's widely a widely known fact that the voting rolls are packed with people who are not lawfully eligible to vote, including those who are deceased, who've moved out of their state, even are non-citizens of our country. Beyond this, the records are riddled with errors, wrong addresses, and many other issues. This is not disputed. It has never been disputed. Making the case for a rigged election, he stressed many of the following points. And there's a pretty good list of them here. Let's dive in. First, we have an election day, but we were told months before the election to expect the ballot counting to take weeks, if not months. There appeared to be an orchestrated effort to anoint a winner 
despite votes still being counted. Democrats mailed out tens of millions of ballots permitting fraud and abuse on a scale never seen before. Bloated voter rolls were used to send out ballots despite reliance on names of the dead and on voters who had moved out of the specific voting districts. Using the pandemic as a pretext, Democrats and courts overrode constitutional election law in some cases without the permission of state legislatures. Dozens of counties in key swing states have more registered voters on the rolls than they have voting age citizens, including 67 counties in Michigan. Wisconsin could not confirm the residency of more than 100,000 people. And they refused before the election to clean up the voter registrations. He says, I knew why. Because they're illegal voters. Key battleground states, like Wisconsin, saw a massive dump of votes overnight, swinging the lead from Trump to his opponent. Mostly Joe Biden. Almost all Biden, he said. I went from leading by a lot to losing by a little. Michigan had a dump of 149,772 votes overnight at 6.31 a.m., flipping Trump's lead over to Biden. He said thousands of th- hundreds of thousands of votes were unlawfully counted without meaningful observation or no observation at all. He also described tens of thousands of voters who showed up to vote on Election Day, but were told they had already voted by mail, mail-in ballots, despite not having done so. Democrats ballot harvesting, mass mail-in ballots, illegal in some states. Dominion Voting Systems, he says, has technology that can flip votes from one candidate to the other which can go undetected without forensic examination. The company's CEO has denied these claims because, of course, he would. They called it a glitch where 6,000 votes in Michigan were discovered to have been incorrectly flipped from Trump to Biden. You remember that. They said, oh, that was a clerical error. Mm, They couldn't find actually who did it or explain why, but they explained it away. Dominion systems might have counted votes on overseas servers, which were vulnerable to hacking and fraud. The company has again denied these allegations. And I will say that we actually have testimony, sworn testimony, affidavits under penalty of perjury, that the Dominion machines were connected to routers and the routers were connected to the Internet. Republicans across the U.S. won and flipped many seats in states in the U.S. House, suggesting a massive GOP voter turnout that was not equally represented in the presidential election. It is statistically impossible, he says. The person that led the charge, me, lost. We led the country to victory, and you are the only one that was lost? That's not possible. Lacking mail-in ballot signature verification, that's unlawful. And we're, again, hundreds upon hundreds of signed legal affidavits testifying to the fact 
that these things he's talking about have happened. Recounts that are failing to check signatures and matching them with envelopes that have been separated from the ballots. You know that's happened in Georgia. They do these recounts. They've been doing the recounts, but they're not checking. They're not verifying the signatures on the ballots. That means what they're doing is they're just recounting the the votes that they've already counted. Oh, let's just run them again and see if the count comes up the same. That doesn't matter if you're not checking the security portion of the ballot, the signatures on the envelopes, and the other steps which are taken to ensure that the votes are secure. And that chain of security was broken time and time and time again in city after city after city. Again, hundreds of signed legal affidavits under under penalty of perjury testifying to these. Many people received multiple ballots from voter rolls with errors. Dead voters have been found to have voted. Illegal votes were cast in many battleground states. The president said, we're showing you hundreds of thousands, far more than we need, far more than the margin, far more than the law requires. We can show you many times what is necessary to win a state. The media knows this, but they don't want to report it. In fact, they outright refuse to even cover it because they know the result if they do. Even what I'm saying now will be demeaned and disparaged, but that's okay. I just keep on going forward. Their mail-in voting scam is the latest part of their four-year effort to overturn the results of the 2016 election. And it's been like living in hell. Separate from his lengthy list of alleged fraudulent acts, Trump took a moment to rip special counsel John Durham for moving too slowly. He lamented that findings from Durham's investigation into potential FBI malfeasance in its probe of Russian meddling in the 2016 political cycle did not surface before the most recent election last month, effectively altering the course of the race. He said, we caught them all. We're still waiting for a report from a man named Durham, who I've never spoken to and never met. They can go after me before the election as much as they want, but unfortunately, Mr. Durham didn't want to go after these people before the election. So who knows if he'll ever do a report, ever even do a report. Attorney General William Barr has granted Durham special counsel authority in his investigation of their investigators. If you look at these lies and leaks and illegal acts done so by many people, he insists, something should happen. The hardest thing I have to do is explain why nothing is happening to all these people who got caught spying on my campaign. But it was the fraud claims dominating the president's remarks as he re-emphasized his claim that the November 3rd election was rigged. And so he spent 46 minutes talking to the American people yesterday. And where you saw it was on small conservative news outlets. What you'll see from the mainstream press will be a dissection and misdirection. And this goes back to seeking the truth. You have to know what is true. If you don't know what's true, you'll buy what's false. And if you buy what's false, you'll make bad decisions. We're watching a lot of stuff happen in America today. Things that should not be happening. And when you examine the pattern of what's happening now, you begin to recognize that this same pattern played out 
in previous elections. It played out in 2016 without success. It played out before that as well. They used the same methods to make sure that, that the Democrat Party's choice would win the runoff, would win the, the preliminary process. Because Bernie Sanders was pounding on Joe Biden. Joe Biden had no chance. He looked weak back then. Bernie Sanders looked strong. And suddenly, votes began pouring in. Pouring in for Joe Biden. Contrary to what had been happening prior to then. They did the same thing pretty much to Bernie Sanders when he went up against Hillary Clinton. A lot of people who are buying into the insanity of Democratic Socialism were enthusiastic about Bernie Sanders in 2016. But I believe the same process rigged the primaries against him then. And then they rigged the primaries against him again against Joe Biden. I'm not saying that I would have preferred Bernie Sanders. I'm definitely not saying that. I am, however, saying to you that this fraud process has played out before. I think it played out for Obama's second term as well. I think if we were able to go back and do a deep dig, a deep dive into that particular election, we would see that when Obama went up against Mitt Romney, the same things played out. They've been working on this for quite some time. In 2016, they thought they had this nailed down. They thought they had it. They thought they had it locked in. They didn't count on the overwhelming turnout for Donald Trump. Well, this time, they compensated for it and still didn't have it right. Which is why in the middle of the night on election day this year, in the middle of the night, suddenly hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of Joe Biden votes mysteriously appeared. It's so obvious. And yet, no one in the mainstream press will tell you the truth. You would think, with it being the most sensational story in history, they would. Time to wrap things up for this Thursday. It's the final segment of the Daily Perspective Podcast. A little more than, uh, what, 11 minutes to go here? From AmericanThinker.com, for the last two weeks, Sidney Powell was telling everyone she could prove our election was decided abroad by bad actors. 
Tuesday's news seemed to confirm those claims. A retired military analyst testified in Arizona that the U.S. has captured the information that was sent overseas. Also, a November 25th declaration from an active duty military analyst was made public yesterday, which says that within five days of the election, the analyst was able to connect DominionVotingSystems.com, which is Dominion's proprietary URL, to Belgrade, Iran, China, and Barack Obama. Nick Chase, he's a guy who's written some deservedly lauded articles helping readers understand how the voting machines could be used to send victory to Joe Biden, has some interesting information. One of the thing, one of the things he explained here is how information travels across the internet. It's, these are his words. You need to understand how important this next bit of news is. So here's what he has to say. On the internet, information is delivered in packets of bytes. Yeah, I know we're getting tech, tech geeky here, but bear with me. You have to understand how this works to understand the process and how important what we're saying is on the internet. Information is delivered in packets of bytes, digital information, each of which has header information identifying the sender and the intended recipient. When the recipient receives the packet, it verifies the packet and returns to the sender a message saying the packet was received correctly. This traffic passes through routers, which are similar to the wireless router you may have at home, only on an industrial scale. The network routers also have switching software to determine which is the most efficient, the fastest route on the Internet to transmit the packets. As the Internet is a redundant system designed with a lot of these routers, paths, and switches, so it'll continue to operate in case part of it goes down. Now, it's entirely possible for a sophisticated, powerful agency to grab or reroute this packet traffic so that data can be manipulated. With that in mind, you'll appreciate the importance of testimony that Colonel Phil Waldron, retired Colonel Phil Waldron, gave during the hearing in Arizona about the voting machines used in the U.S. elections. Now, as you may recall, while the votes were collected in America, they were sent to Frankfurt, Germany for final tallying and processing before being routed, rerouted to America. According to Colonel Waldron, his white hat hackers recognized the packets going to Germany and obtained copies of them. Now, I've explained what white hat hackers are already. Those are people who know how to hack systems and they do it for good so that you know how things are working. We shouldn't be surprised that Colonel Waldron offers such an extraordinary, such extraordinary evidence. Last week in Pennsylvania, he gave a master's class in how the Dominion voting systems are set up to enable election fraud on a massive scale. He talked about fraudulent elections in other countries, voting machines being connected to the Internet, making them hackable, stolen USB drives used for hacking voting machines, and inexplicable anomalies that showed that votes were preloaded for Biden before the election began. Today, Colonel Waldron's testimony gained added heft. When we got to see a declaration from an intelligence analyst at the 305, the 305th Military Intelligence Unit, the declaration has specific evidence showing that on November 8, 2020, DominionVotingSystems.com, which is the proprietary URL web address of Dominion Voting Systems, 
was connected over the Internet to Belgrade, Iran, China, and to the indivisible political group for Obama. The indivisible political group used to be ACORN. You remember ACORN? They got in a lot of legal trouble for what they were doing. They're still around. They've just changed the name, and they're still still involved in criminal activity. It looks as if the Chinese government has an ownership interest in Dominion as well. Gateway Pundit has details about that that seem legitimate. And in this article, there is a link. So please get the show notes today. Grab the show notes at uh, dailyperspectivepodcast.com and follow the links. As I tell you, in every one of these stories, there's there are links that take you other places so you can see supporting evidence. And I'm looking there. Eh, there's a handful of them just on the screen that I'm looking at right now. You're not imagining it. The China keeps popping up all over 2020. First, by giving us the gift of a virus. A virus the Democrats used to try to destroy the economy and to pervert the election. And now, as an active player in America's vote counting, China is. The Democrats have They thought they had this in the bag. They thought they had this done. And they got sloppy. And when they got sloppy, it became obvious. And when it became obvious, people started digging. And when they started digging, they found all manner of skullduggery going on. Things are not what they seem. And if you're just watching and listening to the mainstream press, you will never know that. Now, let's get a little closer to home for yours truly here to Alabama, Representative Mo Brooks. He's a Republican from my state. Confirmed he is planning to challenge the Electoral College's votes when Congress certifies the president, the presidential election on January 6th during the joint session of Congress. He says, in my judgment, if only lawful votes are eligible, or American citizens were cast uh, by um, eligible American citizens were cast. Donald Trump won the Electoral College by a significant margin. And Congress's certification should reflect that. He said this to Politico in a report yesterday. He, he goes on to say this election was stolen by the socialists engaging in extraordinary voter fraud and election theft measures. At least one member of the House and one from the Senate has to challenge the counting of Electoral College votes to initiate a challenge. Brooks argued that in the report, uh, he argued in the report that the November 3rd election was compromised and badly flawed, and he termed mail-in voting as unconstitutional. He said it's unlikely the Supreme Court or other courts will be able to overturn the election results, saying they don't possess the constitutional authority. He says a lot of time is being wasted in court the Supreme Court does not have the lawful authority to determine whether to accept or reject a state's electoral college submissions. Under the United States Constitution and U.S. law, that's the job and duty of elected officials. And so it's the United States Congress that is the final judge and jury of whether to accept or reject electoral college submissions by states and to elect who the president and vice president of the United States might be. Earlier in November, Brooks told the Epoch Times that Congress has the right to reject a state's electoral college votes during the joint session. 
saying Congress has the absolute right to reject the submitted Electoral College votes of any state, which we believe has such a has such a shoddy election system that you can't trust the election results that those states are submitting to us, that they're suspect. He said that on November 18th. And I'm not going to put my name on uh, in support of any state that employs an election system that I don't have confidence in. In the interview, he noted that at 1 p.m. Eastern time on January 6th, when the joint session meets, the president of the Senate, who is Vice President Mike Pence, will report to Congress what they contend are their electoral college results in their state. If a House member and a senator objects to the submission of electoral college votes by any state, that immediately triggers a House floor vote and a Senate floor vote on whether to accept or reject those electoral college votes submitted by that particular state. Brooks said before citing provisions in the U.S. Constitution for his reasoning, he said the amount of debate on the House and Senate floor is limited to two hours under federal law. Meanwhile, President Trump's lawyers have pushed state legislatures in Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan to reassert their constitutionally given role to call up electors. They cited fraud allegations and significant irregularities presented by witnesses in recent days. Secretaries of State in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin have said they've seen no evidence of fraud and would overturn the results of the election. Or that would overturn the results of the election. The Electoral College is scheduled to meet on December 14th, 11 days from now. Now, these Secretaries of State, we're seeing most are Democrats and those who are Republicans we're finding are left-leaning Republicans. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. What Mo Brooks is describing here, this process is what we've been talking about for a few weeks off and on, and that is that this is ultimately going to be decided by Congress because the electoral systems in half a dozen states here in the United States of America are deeply suspect that there is serious funny business going on. And it's not laughable funny business either. There is crime being committed. And in some cases, it is blatant, outright, in broad daylight. And it's happening in broad daylight because the Democrats, the leftists in those states have been getting away with it for so long. They just believe they can continue to get away with it and nothing's ever going to happen. And it's well past time for something to happen. And speaking of time, that's all we have for today. God bless you. Have a good one. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're uh, we're done.